I'm only here to capture the traitor I told you about. This traitor? Who is he? It isn't a he. It's a she. Princess Adora. What? Hello, we are the Bloopcast, and I'm James. I'm Ewan. And I'm Rob. But the question is, why are we called Bloopcast? Yes! Today, we are discussing She-Ra and the Princesses of Power, which is not to be confused with She-Ra. Greatness! (laughs) Yes. (laughs) (laughs) Not to be confused with She-Ra, Princess of Power, which is the original 80s Mattel and Filmation show which this is a reboot of. He-Man for girls. Yeah, basically. If you've ever watched the original show, it is literally He-Man for girls. She-Ra stands in front of the same Grayskull castle thing and says, well, she says by the honor of Grayskull rather than by the power of Grayskull, but it's the same transformation sequence. By the power of Grayskull. She gets to wear... Somehow she's the one who gets to wear more clothes than He-Man, to be fair. <laughs> yeah. Sorry. I'm trying to do what? the... I'm trying to do, I think I did it wrong. I was trying to do that um, song, the, the He-Man meme. Oh! How's it uh, go, Ewan? It's what's like, going on? Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. the one. I did it really terribly, though. <laughs> What is She-Ra and the Princesses of Power about? Okay, so the new story of She-Ra is set in the fantasy world of Etheria. We first meet Adora in the Fright Zone, fighting for the evil Horde led by a weird monster emperor man called Hordak and the sinister sorcerer Shadowweaver. Adora is roommates with Catra. Oh my god, they were roommates. Until one day she discovers a magic sword which reveals to her that she is the mythical hero She-Ra. Realizing that the Horde is evil, Adora becomes She-Ra and joins the Princess Alliance led by Princess Glimmer and her best friend the Archer Bo in their battle against her former friend Catra and the Horde. And then other stuff happens, but that's... I realized we need to get that out right at the the front because it's a very complicated plot once you get past, like, the first two episodes. With concise so, characters as well. Yeah, it's surprisingly complicated for a show that is primarily aimed at, like, ten-year-old girls, basically. There's always the yeah. way, isn't it, though? Like, a lot of these time, a lot of the time it is written by people that are adults that probably want to tell a story as well as that. It's the same with, yeah. like, Transformers and everything else, but yeah, yeah. That's the thing, though. I think it is a show that is comparable to any of the kind of shows that we watched when we were, like, 10 or 11. That's why I wanted to do it, because, you know, we recently reviewed Avatar The Last Airbender, Mm -hmm. and I think stuff like that is very comparable to this. You know, it's just made at a time when we're now adults, and it's it's for that 10-year-old demographic, I guess. That's one thing I want to discuss right off the bat, is, yeah, when we were growing up, there were loads of great action-slash-adventure cartoons, but a lot of them were, like, male-driven and focused. They did have, like, strong female characters as well, but they were more often, like, 
players in stories that are focused on men. This didn't mean that girls couldn't watch and enjoy them, but a lot of the marketing, etc., etc., was focused on young boys because of how toy manufacturers look at things and put them into boxes like boys like this and girls like this. We've listened to no crossover, which is something that we kind of get the toys for this show where they're basically like Barbie dolls. This is Princess Adora, sister of He-Man and her gentle horse, each sold separately. You can pretend she's lovely as a flower, but she has a secret power. She From Mattel. The only show like She-Ra that I can think of is Kim Possible. I think it's great that there's a show like this that has loads of great characters that can empower young girls who are the focus of the story rather than simply being part of a male character story. And while girls are definitely the key target demographic, I'd say this show manages to transcend that demographic somewhat through having really strong writing and themes. Yeah. I would sort of argue that there are a couple of other shows it reminds me of as well, like Powerpuff Girls and also Totally Spies as well. It has that same oh, yeah. energy, I think. I remember Totally Spies. Yeah. It's yeah. Probably really good, actually. Well, that's what I appreciate about this show is that it definitely feels like it's part of that kind of era of cartoons, if that makes sense. It doesn't feel like... We, we, we kind of rag on things like Adventure Time and, and Steven Universe, <laughs> which we're, we're not fans of uh, here, really. No, um, I watched like, 50 episodes and gave up. I was like, this is terrible. I'm sorry. Yeah. Oh, the, this is Adventure Time you're talking about. Yeah, right? yeah. I haven't even bothered with Steven Universe. I don't know if I ever will, yeah. to be honest. I, I have no opinion on Steven Universe. It might be good. I've just never watched it. But in terms of like modern cartoons i feel like she-ra is definitely in the mold of yeah kim possible powerpuff girls um uh, totally spies it feels like and that's one of the reasons why i wanted to review it and why i wanted to talk about it because it's like such a fun show in that vein of kind of cartoons that we grew up with mm. and i'm really glad that kids are now getting that kind of experience I remember I pitched this to Robin James as it's My Little Pony, but mixed with Buzz Lightyear Star Command, which was another big show that I was a big fan of growing up. Yeah. I never watched My Little Pony, I should stress. The reboot of My Little Pony came later for us, so sorry, I don't know who Twilight Sparkle is. I know it's a character in the show, the new one, but yeah. We met the voice actor of Twilight Sparkle. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, Tara Strong. Sorry, Tara, I don't know anything about Twilight, but aside from that... So- yeah. <laughs> Ewan, as you're such a big fan of this show, I think you should um, explain to everyone like how we dis- how we discovered She-Ra, how you got into the show. Wow, okay. I discovered this show. I want to say a lesbian friend of mine recommended it. Uh, <laughs> um, I, you know, um, I won't say names, but yeah, we all know who I'm talking about, I think. But... Yeah, and then I never really watched it for like two years because it came out in 2018 and I never got round to really watching it. But it was always on Netflix because it's a Netflix DreamWorks show. So if you have Netflix, it's very easy to access. And it was during lockdown. So around the same time that I watched Avatar The Last Airbender for the first time, I was also watching She-Ra and I got really invested in it uh, during lockdown. Because lockdown, if anyone remembers, was not great. It was not no, not a good old time. Not really. <laughs> um, so the fact that this show, as I mentioned, is kind of like My Little Pony and Star Command because it's very <laughs> like positive. Friendship comes up a lot. 
but it's also about working through issues and being faced with adversity and struggling but still managing to take on the challenge and ultimately win and and that was very inspiring during it yeah no definitely so watching those two shows back to back made a lot of sense and it was great yeah so it was perfect lockdown viewing so when things go to hell again which they probably will if you've got another lockdown to watch this watch it my little pony the way you said it like my little pony star command i just imagined them in like space (laughs) calling buzz lightyear the galaxy's greatest hero skilled courageous and ever vigilant Leaping into action, Buzz Lightyear hurtles to the rescue. His ongoing mission to protect the universe from the dark forces of... My little pony. For me, I'll think what I want to do is kind of discuss how I first discovered the Master of the Universe franchise as a whole. And then I'll dovetail it back to She-Ra specifically. So around, I think it was 2003, so I've been about nine years old. I was looking through the August Castle at the toy section. I want to kind of obsess for something I used to do with the August Castle is... I always skipped to the back of the catalogue as that's where I knew all the toys and video games were. And it meant I, had to, I couldn't, didn't have to wade through pages of boring pictures of sofas and like household appliances. I could just go straight to the stuff I wanted to look at. But yeah, I was looking at the August catalogue around this time and I saw some toys for this thing called He-Man and the Master of the Universe. I'd never heard of it, but seeing as I was effectively in the target demographic for He-Man, it intrigued me. But it never went much further than that, as I never saw the show The Toys Made For, which is the 2002 Hitman cast. I don't even know what channel it, it aired on over here, but I definitely recall seeing adverts for The Toys. And I saw one episode of the original 1980s Hitman when I was 11 or so, since I bought what I thought was a Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles VHS tape from a primary school fate. But inside was not a Teenage Mutant Hero Turtles video, it was a He-Man tape and it only had one episode on. Oh, I don't no. remember. <laughs> I don't remember much about what I thought of it. And it wasn't something I watched. I probably watched it once or twice and thought eh, it's fine, but not really my kind of thing. But aside from that, my exposure to He-Man and through that Shira was largely cultural osmosis via the internet in my late teens with things like the infamous "Hey yeah 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 yeah" What's going video that was like a viral video at the time, and it's also the clip of Skeletor demanding that he's not nice. Listen, I am not nice. I am not kind, and I am not wonderful. A couple of years back, He-Man and Skeletor were in that Money Supermarket advert. I don't know if you guys remember that advert, but it was basically oh God, um, yeah. He-Man and She-Ra dancing, He-Man and Skeletor dancing to the fame song and stuff like that. Skeletor saved at Money Supermarket. By the power of Grayskull, Skeletor. You're so money supermarket. <laughs> I remember yeah. the, like, the new She-Ra cartoon being released, mainly because of the controversy caused by men in the 30s and 40s complaining about She-Ra's new design, either because A, she wasn't quote-unquote sexy enough, or B, her costume wasn't so revealing. Uh. I found this hilarious. <laughs> as <laughs> I looked at the design thought, yeah, this is clearly a show aimed at like young girls, so it's fine. I don't know why you're getting your knickers in a twist over this show. <laughs> Oh, but I didn't give much thought beyond that. I thought, eh, it's not really going to be my thing. But then, of course, you suggested we discuss She-Ra. And it's something I was up for, but this was something I was a bit apprehensive about, whether or not I'd actually enjoy. I thought, it's, I knew it would be a show that was actually good, but I wasn't sure if it'd be to my tastes, if that makes sense. Mm. But then a couple of months, that's, of course, the new He-Man cartoon came out on Netflix, which is Master of the Universe Revelation. Oh. And that generated its own share of controversy, which is equally hilarious. But yeah, um, while I think 
find a bit of a barrier getting into that because it was very much made for fans of the original He-Man. So therefore, people like me know this to nothing about He-Man. have like, no idea what's going on. But I did get into it. I started reading the prequel comic book. And that made me a bit more enthusiastic to start She-Ra. And I'm glad I did watch it as I found it really entertaining as this is something that we'll get into throughout the episode. Yeah, absolutely. For me, it's kind of a weird one because when I was at university, I would often get suggested like new animated shows on YouTube quite a lot because that's pretty much all I watch probably on YouTube is just cartoons and teasers for new animated shows and discussions about animated shows. And as a result of that, the algorithm sort of gears that towards me. So one day I was procrastinating in the library on my laptop, uh, not doing my essay. And <laughs> She-Ra was on the uh, vid- video suggestions and I looked at it because I thought, oh, okay, that looks quite colourful. Uh, I like colourful things. I'm just going to say I like the colour purple. Um, so I naturally saw that. <laughs> <laughs> so I saw, it on, I saw a thumbnail on YouTube and I clicked it naturally and i thought oh wow this is impressive animation at this point i was animating myself as well i was getting into animation properly so i was like oh great but i wasn't i was too busy at university to really sit down and watch cartoon shows and binge through them Mm. whereas now i do have a bit more spare time to do that uh so ewan messaged me uh some time ago saying like oh my god she ra's the best thing ever i love the theme tune and <laughs> <laughs> like I'm probably paraphrasing, but it was something along those lines one night. And... I probably did this very drunk. I should I should tell. Yeah, no, I, I kind of assumed it, but I didn't want to say. <laughs> <laughs> um, so so then obviously we planned to do the boobcast this month. So last month I just sat down and started watching. After watching Adventure Time, I got burnt out from Adventure Time, and I decided, you know, no matter how popular that show is, I will not force myself to finish it and I'm I kind of now getting this mentality where I'm not forcing myself to finish things if I don't like it whereas before I'd plow through things but with Shira, I kind of wanted to keep watching I, I think I watched the entire first series in one night and then after that like nights after I just kept on watching and watching and watching I made, it made me laugh it really pulled on the emotional strings and now I love it. I'm a big fan now. So, yeah. It's a really well-written show. Like, up- upon rewatch, I'm actually amazed at both at how funny it is a lot of the time and, yeah, how emotionally kind of mature and well-written it is. Mm. Like, I remember a friend of mine always used to say, like, you know what the best story is? Is one where friends become enemies and enemies become friends. She-Ra is literally that. It's literally yeah. that whole premise. But it's actually done very well. Like, it's not ham-fisted. Characters actually do switch sides in very, like, organic mm. ways that make sense yeah. to their character. And uh, Adora is, like, the perfect way to start off this because she's the main character of the show. And I like that she starts out working for the bad guys, but it's not a simple case of, oh, yeah, she's evil. As you can see from that episode, she is nice. And as you see from her perspective, we see that she's been raised to believe that princesses are evil, which is the perspective we're shown. She's been raised to believe princesses are evil. You know she's a princess, right? How can you follow her? Princesses are a dangerous threat to everyone on Etheria. Is that what Hordak told you? Well, I thought it was just common knowledge. They're violent instigators who don't even know how to control their power. You've never actually met a princess, have you? As we're entering the world from her point of view, we kind of believe that as long until we see the princess themselves, we find they're all like happy and colourful and not really evil. And yeah. then we, when she realises what the halls are really like, she's the Fett. And while I do find it 
weird that she continues dressing like a wall soldier throughout that show. <laughs> yeah, you think I don't she, get like, that. Change clothes. You think like they just um, give her some like new robes or something? But no. But it, yeah, because some, she, but she, even though, it takes the symbol off. But after that, she defects, she goes to places. Yeah, she goes into like place and they're all like, oh, it's a horde soldier. And then they're always explain, no, 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 she's one of the good guys. Like, just change your clothes. <laughs> but yeah, that's a tiny little nitpick. Okay, the jacket comes off. What? Why? Because if the villagers see a horde soldier, they'll freak out. So we got to fix all this. I don't like it. Also find it neat that uh, while She-Ra <laughs> is powerful... It isn't like a deus ex machina since Adora needs to learn how to wield the power shield. Like when she first starts using the power, like she doesn't know how to use it effectively. And it's not like the original Shira where Adora would transform and be basically a completely different person. They're the same person, it's just Shira is kind of channeling through Adora. Absolutely. And speaking of the transformation, I love how much Adora's transformation into Shira of, of the, the Power Rangers morph sequences. And I'm yeah, kind of a sucker for Power Rangers, yeah. so it looks. I know it's probably more aping Sailor Moon, but I just thought of Power Rangers. I think they're both in there. Yeah, Sailor Moon and Power Rangers with the costume change. And the, and, and it's the fact that they always play it almost like fully in sequence. You know, they don't, well, you know, they do edit it a little bit sometimes, but generally yeah. they do have the whole sequence every time they do it. Because you can tell that yeah. like they love it. <laughs> and also the guitar music reminds me of Power Rangers as well yeah. at that point. For the honor of... You could sort of notice like bits of influences scattered around it, like as you say, like Power Rangers and uh, Sailor Moon as well, which you mentioned. But also like you know Star Trek and all that. There's there's a bit of Star Wars in there as well, and a bit of like Lord of the Rings. It's very inspired the show, and I can tell whoever made the show is a huge nerd. I'm just saying. Oh, Noel Stevenson, yeah, big big nerd. They were saying that the three main characters, Adora, Glimmer, and Bo, are literally just Dungeons and Dragons yeah. characters oh. that would go on a campaign. Yeah, no, it, there's a re- it's got a lot of Dungeons and Dragons in it is what I'll say as well. One of my favourite episodes is one where they're coming up with a plan how to retake a fortress, and their planning is literally them just playing Dungeons and Dragons to work out the best way to deal with it. Everyone has a figure except Perfuma, who's using her plant, and Mermista, who has that for some reason. Says the guy with a bag of dolls. They're war table battle figures! And it, it has some really funny moments, like... As they're planning, more and more characters come in and start joining in, and they say, "Oh, I'm gonna do this. I want to use this magic power." Using my awesome powers of teleportation, I take out their first line of defense. You ran out of teleports like 12 teleports ago. I cast giant flytrap on Catcher. <laughs> Seen them try to work out the most effective way because, as they're planning, they realize it's them trying to work out every possible thing the horse could possibly throw at them. I also like the humour in the show. I think it relies a lot on, um, in a kind of Shakespearean sort of way, like a character-driven goofiness, like mm. you know, Seahawk and all that. He immediately has like some such recognisable traits, but he's kind of he's a bit full staffian in a way. Like he's a bit of a dope, but we secretly love him despite you know being kind of flawed and not perfect. 
I love that James grabs the first opportunity he can to bring, <laughs> to bring up Seahawk. Just because C's in your name doesn't tell us anything about your actual qualifications. Qualifications? I once ran the 50-click Galebreath Gauntlet in less than 20 clicks. I maneuvered the strafes of Serpentine with nary a chip and the paint of my bow. My shanties are considered so desirable that sirens fling themselves into the sea at the sound of them. And because I can tell you're wondering, my mustache is naturally shiny. Adventure! <laughs> Adventure! Um, for our group chat, where we kind of discuss like the podcast and just generally keep in touch with each other, before every episode we do, we always change the icon of the group chat, relevant to whatever our next episode is. Mm. And Seahawk was the choice for this one because we all <laughs> unanimously loved Seahawk. So I was like, okay, Seahawk's <laughs> got to be our picture yeah, for the month. It was immediate. Like the moment that Rob and James discovered Seahawk, it was just like, yep, <laughs> that's the icon. We were ambushed. My sole aim was to protect Mermista from the horde. Thinking quick, I took on the 40 to 50 horde soldiers surrounding us and saved Drill. We lost Drill, and you punched, like, one guy before Glimmer got us out. But also, in general, the humour as well. It does rely on that kind of clever weakness. Sometimes it's a bit slapsticky as well. It's also kind of knows what it is, and it completely has fun Mm. with that. Yeah. I kind of want to contrast it a bit to Adventure Time, which relies on a lot of gross jokes and weird stuff. Oh, God. One of my favourite, was it joke, kind of, like, one-off characters... Is this guy called Kyle or some? I think his name's oh, Kyle. He's the, Kyle. Um, he, he's the <laughs> one of the hall soldiers, and yeah, yeah, and he's always and everyone's always like, "Oh, Kyle!" <laughs> oh, dang it! Seriously, Kyle, bravo! It's hilarious. Yeah, nice. there's an amazing bit when Kyle is like, so Bo has been captured, and Kyle's talking to Bo, and he's like letting his heart out to Bo, saying how like nobody appreciates him in the horde. And then, like, the second that the heroes arrive, they just pick up Kyle and just throw him across the room. And it's like, bye, Kyle. People here don't think I can do anything right. I like another thing I wanted to discuss is, I think we kind of touched upon it, is that how multifaceted the characters are. Like, there are good guys that do really bad things and have a not great understanding of, like, personal morality but also bad guys that end up having such complex motives and personal agendas, or even end up doing good things in the end. Yeah. Very strange how, like, you know, there's... It's not a show where there's shades, you know, it's like, it's not black and white. There's the shades of grey and the morality in almost every single character. You end up liking the villains, which is very strange. That's Especially, fun, though. Yeah, that's no, fun. it's good. It's a, yeah, it's yeah, a it's compliment. Fun. Yeah, but it's just like for a yeah, start, good my... show. It's like, that's not common, and I think that's really clever and out of the box. Yeah, I mean, that's one of the things I liked with Beast Wars. Some of the, some of that was kind of grey, as in, like characters would switch allegiances and it wasn't like a black and white conflict the big people i think we're thinking of when we say about kind of complex villains is both catra and shadow weaver so adora and catra grow up together in the fright zone and it's very as i mentioned they're roommates and they were roommates oh my god they were roommates and they have a very close friendship so when adora defects it's a really big emotional issue for Katra, who's not able to tear herself away from the life that she's built up in the Horde. 
And the thing about Catra is that she kind of just has like a kind of well, she has a mean streak, but it's more than that. It's more like she's she always needs to prove herself. And she always needs and she was always second best to Adora. So when Adora leaves, she finally thinks this is my one chance to prove myself in a way that I didn't have before. I guess it sure must be easy being a people pleaser like you. Here, take your stupid badge. It's not like I even care. So that's her main motivation for being evil, aside from just general resentment against Adora. This is what you left me for? Dress up games and a light show? When did you get so weak? And then, of course, there's Shadow Weaver, who is basically Adora and Catra's mother growing up. Uh, but she's like an evil sorceress lady, and she looks like classic villain in every way possible. She looks like evil villain lady. But again, as horrible as she is a lot of the time, like you do start to see her motivations and realize that she is not a good person, but she does have good in her and there's like honor to her and things like that. It's great. Like, just, just to yeah. add to that as well, Ewan, I know often I bring in the books I read at the same time as watching these sort of shows in the kind of into the conversation. But I went without spoiling anything. She does remind me a little bit of Satan from like Paradise Lost for, in many ways. Okay. Uh, maybe I'll tell you about that after we do the podcast. But, she uh, reminds <laughs> me of Satan. <laughs> well, Satan is a villain, but he's also got redeeming qualities in the kind of complex personal agenda as well. Yeah. And yeah. it's really hard for me to sort of explain it without spoiling it, but you realise that... Paradise Lost, or...? In par- no, oh, no, no, Paradise Lost we don't care about. That's that's ancient now. That's years old. Um, I mean... Yeah, with Shadow Weaver, yeah. They've got the same sort of traits. They're both characters that are sympathetic, they're redeemable, they both feel strongly about their ability to have power. They're very rebellious as well, as what I'll say. They defy something. Yeah. Oh, I, I love what... I love Shadow I love Shadow Weaver's origin story yeah. and, and how she becomes well, she starts off as Light Spinner, which I think is great. Uh, and then yeah. becomes Shadow Weaver. Light Spinner is like Satan before he fell from heaven, is what I'll say. Mm. Okay. Yeah, no, that makes sense. One thing I do want to talk about is the diversity of the show's cast, which is something I think is really good to have. Is like there's a lot of characters with different like ethnicities and a lot of different body types, which was something I instantly picked up and thought was good, rather than having the characters be like stick thin Barbie dolls, mm. and which is mm. which is good for. We don't see a lot of that in a lot of shows because a lot of these kind of things will, even like movies and stuff, will always portray women as having like this idealized like body type, and there won't be much variance in that. I was instantly impressed to see that shit. And as well as this, there's a character called Entraptor who's written as being autistic and. They do a good job at portraying that. So thanks, she's closer to our bedroom community than Sheldon from the Big Bang Theory. And they also have queer couples, and it's portrayed a completely normal thing that no one questions, which is really nice to see in this world. Like, the character Bo, he's got two dads, and no one really questions it. And there's also, I think later on, they introduce these two princesses who are in a relationship, and it's just completely normal. They're married, and no one makes a big thing out of it. There's probably some people, i.e. the ones who complained about Shira's redesign to begin with, who might complain about this show being quote-unquote woke just because of all this. 
But this kind of representation is important, and I feel the show does a great job at including this representation without it feeling forced or like having it, like doing like the bare minimum setting cut out to show to China because China has issues, it's kind of things. Yeah, no, you're absolutely right, Rob. But I think the way it does is that it does the things you described really effectively. I think the characters actually do say at one point, like Chiro and all that, basically say when they meet those parents uh, is that they're completely normal like literally they just say it and they don't even give it a second thought that they're a gay couple and like i think sometimes you do have the risk of like doing it quite badly having those kind of like inclusiveness in stories and stuff like that where it can become like pandering dc comics is infamously bad for this i think they even made like two characters like Snowflake or something like that. There's like the character Snowflake. <laughs> oh, and, what? Yeah, it's a non-binary oh, character. But like when you do something like that, you don't really celebrate that community. You don't kind of provide what they want. You're not giving these people heroes to look up to. Whereas this show does. I think it does it so perfectly and respectfully that it's it's great. I'm really glad that they did it as well as they did. It's tasteful. We're we're trying to avoid spoilers because we want people to to you know to watch the show and and not to spoil it. But I will say, I will say that Catra is a lesbian icon. Uh, I, I, as I've said, hey Adora, I, hey Adora, 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 hey Adora. I've been and, lesbians um, with you. <laughs> and um this is twice got pilgrim episode if you haven't oh yeah please because i'm in lesbians with you what there's an episode in this where they go to a princess prom so it's basically a, a prom night episode which is really fun to just see these fantasy characters but in a kind of like high school prom setting but catra turns up in like a prom suit and Adora's wearing like a, you know, like a classic prom dress. And at one point they dance together. I have been told that this is not okay uh, by lesbians. It's too much. <laughs> um, so, and later on, like, Catra gets a haircut and has short hair. There's just, there's a lot of, les- I'm in lesbians with you. They're roommates. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> They both dream about each other as well. It's like they dream about each other a lot. To be fair, that is true. <laughs> yeah, there's that like bit where like they try to understand Catra's motivations, and um, Adora's just like, "I know her better than all of you." <laughs> one, one, uh, one thing I thought when Rob, you were talking about the the episode when they're discussing battle strategies, and it's like Dungeons and Dragons. The best detail in that is their actual plans and the, the, the different visual styles that they've all got going in their plans. And so Glimmer apparently sees Catra as like a sexy uh, femme fatale character with like a with like a cat and a fur coat. And so it has Glimmer. This is how you see Ketra? <laughs> yeah, this seems a little off. <laughs> a little? You fell into my trap. <laughs> but, the, <laughs> but the best detail is definitely Bo's reality, where he apparently sees it as the 80s TV show, where he has <laughs> he has a mustache, and um, Catra goes, meow, every sentence. I am Bo, She-Ra's best friend and defender of Etheria. 
When the evil horde strikes, I strike back. Ooh, we all get hats. Ugh. Someone waits in the shadows. <laughs> Catra. Wow. Fools, I won't let you destroy my perfect plan. What? <laughs> this is kind of amazing. <laughs> that is also oh, another oh, thing, going um, back. This, that's one thing I want to bring up is, I think it's great that this show divorces itself from He-Man. Like, yeah. the original show, as we showed it, is literally the original He-Man show, but for girls. They, if you watch the documentary on Netflix, the toys that made us, they had a whole episode on He-Man. They made She-Ra because basically girls started playing with He-Man. So it was like 20% of the demographic for He-Man was girls. And like the girls' toys division of Mattel was kind of plummeting at the time. So they wanted to kind of capitalise on the girls who were watching and playing with He-Man because basically the idea was kind of like Barbie. She, Yeah, she's kind of like basically a housewife. She doesn't go on like fun, fancy adventures. So they're kind of like... And combines He-Man with Barbie a little bit to make She-Ra. Of She-Ra is literally the exact same show as the original He-Man. Like the intros are exa- pretty much exactly word for word, but with different characters. Like the production value is exactly the same. And this new show is just its own thing, which is the best move they could have made. Yeah. The other big detail is Ador- Adora and the original show is is Prince Adam, he- He-Man's uh, twin sister. So it is literally just He-Man for girls. She was a horse soldier originally, but it was because... Shadow yeah. Weaver cast a spell on her. Yeah, yeah. So that's another thing that's kind of lame is that she's only in the Horde because she's being mind controlled by Shadow Weaver. Whereas in the new show, it's way more cool that she's been brainwashed into a military industrial complex fascist dictatorship. Uh, <laughs> which she then wakes up from. Yeah. As in woke. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> well, one thing. One thing, I won't, without spoiling the show itself, but kind of thinking back to the new He-Man Revelations cartoon on Netflix, I did read somewhere that they are, the, I think the people that created She-Ra said they would like to cross over She-Ra somehow with the show, so that Netflix She-Ra with Netflix He-Man. Is there like a He-Man or Masters of the Universe multiverse or something going on here? Because there's like so many different alterations and like, you know, versions of the characters. And I have no idea. Because yeah. um... Literally, I think on the day we're recording this, there's a new He-Man show that's just come out. I think it's come out today, at least. It could have the date long. Um, Where everything looks like League of Legends or something. It looks kind of fun. I thought it was clearly made for more like young boys. But yet again, it's hilarious because the grown men who still think the original He-Man show is way better than it actually is are getting their knickers in a twist over it. Yeah, I mean, the original He-Man show is very fun and enjoyable, but I don't think it's... Anywhere, I, mean, I don't see it as being like this really impactful piece of Shakespeare. Yeah, I, yeah. I don't get, I don't get it. It's because they watched it as kids. That's why I don't get why they didn't like Revelation because it's literally the show they imagined they were watching as kids. I will sort of criticise both the Netflix shows, <laughs> She-Ra and Revelation, for one thing. Actually, they are lacking in one particular detail, and I'm sure you guys know what I'm going to say. There is no skeletal. Why is there no Skeletor? That That is a missed opportunity. Have She-Ra we, fights... We, we get a little bit of Skeletor in the He-Man Revelation show. And he's... Like, there's Mark Hamill. Mark Hamill, who sounds really yeah, great. Like, it's great, but it's only there for like two episodes. Yeah, well, we've well, only got like, five episodes. You've got to it out. You know? We've got five episodes <laughs> But it also... But they, that's what Kevin Smith said when people whined about... <laughs> yeah, I know, that's true. I'm very excited for it. But also, just we'll go back to She-Ra. Why not have Skeletor there, you know? <laughs> 
<laughs> Skeletor is He-Man's villain. Like, yeah, exactly. I'm glad there's no He-Man stuff in this, so she could be its own thing. That's All why right, I liked fine, it so much. Fine. And it's, and... <laughs> All right, I've got a compromise. We just give Skeletor his own show, right? I want more Skeletor. Yeah. Actually, no, we, enough, we should give him his own show. Um, in, the most, in the Revelation prequel comic, kind of a Skeletor, he's kind of like a slave, and... Hordak comes along and gives him a world to rule or something. It's been a while since I've read that issue, but I mean, there is it's something like that. Basically, he was a kind of like a kind of like a champion of the skeleton people when Hordak came along and gave him a world to rule after his family were murdered or something like that. Yeah, watch Shiro on Netflix. And <laughs> <laughs> um, watch and uh, watch Kevin Smith's show. <laughs> oh no, everyone's just on follow up on Twitter. What's happening? Well done, muscle boy. <laughs> <laughs> this is going to be the rest of the episode. James doing Skeletor impressions. I am like... completely evil. Oh, shut up! <laughs> 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 you forget me. Oh, yeah. Say. No, I, 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 no. Luckily, I, luckily, I noted it down. I've remembered what it is. Yes, there's a big improvement with the new show and the original one was that they removed every single irritating character with a high-pitched voice. There's a lot of them in the original show and in He-Man as well. And wow, they are not missed in the new show at all. Um, So thank you, new show, for removing Spreg. I think his name is. He's like a Dobby kind of character. It's very. He's like a weird elf man. It's very annoying. <laughs> um, yeah, there's a lot of that in the old shows. So I'm glad they got rid of that. And oh, and Swiftwind doesn't sound like a Death Eater. He actually sounds like a normal person now. Because Swiftwind is She-Ra's magic talking horse slash Pegasus that she's got. Did someone say Swiftwind? And yeah, in the original show, he's just got like, he, he sounds like a Nazgul or something. He, like his voice is just so deep. It's it's weird. Shira. It's like he's like speaking ironic. directly into the microphone. <laughs> it's funny that you mentioned that because there was a TV movie version of Return of the King. And in that, the Witch King of Agmar speaks like Skeletor. Oh, that's amazing. Oh, we'll need to find that. Not between the Nazgul and his prey, or he will slay thee in turn! <laughs> yeah, what, there's one thing I want to kind of talk about, which is the character designs. For me, they vary from character to character, whether I like them or not. Some characters, I think, look great and have like these really strong designs. And there's some which I think I look a bit too Steven Universe my liking, which makes sense because Steven Universe was an influence on this show I'm not saying it's like a bad art style because just because it's not to my taste but I think it's the right art style for this show because it's saying for primarily and it makes sense to go for this kind of art style as opposed to like a more comic book S design like this for Master of the Universe Revelation the thing with the art style here is that it blends really well the fairy tale aspects to the kind of science fiction mm. so I like the fact that it has this kind of looser simpler style which allows for kind of more complex stuff but again at the same time it looks kind of like buzz like your star command you know so it's not not too complicated yeah it's a very seamless kind of yeah it's very soft looking uh yeah it's a seamless sort of relationship between science fiction and fantasy it's a perfect example of Mm -hmm. science fantasy which is really hard to do it's one of the hardest speculative fiction genres you can probably ever write because you can Sometimes, I think because they're naturally 
contrasting both fantasy and science fiction. It feels sometimes I've seen examples of science fantasy where like a robot just plonked into a fairy tale wood and it doesn't make any sense whatsoever. Well, like Star Wars, it's all it's based literally very much sci-fi, but they've got like magical wizard powers. Yeah, yeah, I'd argue that's a, probably a better example. Like, I think a bad, a good example is I love Judge Dredd, but sometimes when they put like weird demons and ghosts and stuff in this futuristic city. It kind of makes no sense to me, but I do, I love Drudge Dredd, just putting it out there still. But like, well, She-Ra, they cleverly take the fantasy things and add a, a bit of sci-fi fluff and lore to it that makes it really cool. They do kind of like certain bits that are strictly fantasy and strictly science fiction, but there's also bits where there's bits of sci-fi layered around the place as well. And it works perfectly with the colour palette and the backgrounds, the character designs. Mm. It sort of makes sense. It works. And... It, it's it definitely on a it's definitely a visual thing they do, but also a bit of a sort of world building thing they pull off nicely. I won't spoil it, but there is a piece of technology that seems magical on the surface, but really there's a lot more going on. Uh, is what I'll say. So I like one, that. One thing that they have fun with throughout the show is with the character Light Hope, who's like a hologram mm. in this kind of sci-fi. Oh, oh that she's in like she was kind of. Yeah, that that place kind of reminds me of um, the Fortress of Solitude from Superman, which yeah. I thought was probably it is like that. Yeah, yeah, definitely. But I like the fact that they get to kind of mess around with computer jokes with Light Hope. Like there'll be things where she's like having to re re upload herself, or like she'll say like administrator password not recognized. Why are you asking about events in your own memory bank? My what? Why are you asking for the clarification of events you witnessed? I was a baby! Babies don't remember things! Interesting. I shall make a note of this. Uh, <laughs> you know, stuff like that. So they, they have fun with, like, kind of... Med- well, not really medieval fantasy characters, but characters like that running into this kind of technology that they don't really understand, and it kind of throws mm. them off, which is quite fun. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Um, um, Light Hope kind of has... Because she's a computer, she kind of doesn't understand kind of like certain social cues. So as well as Entrapped, she's another kind of like autistic kind of coded character, like kind of like Data from Star Trek The Next Generation. Mm. Mm. Well, yeah. it's, it's like when, yeah, when she when she kind of goes like, yeah, should I smile more? And it's like, no, 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 it's fine. <laughs> Please don't do that again. Yeah. <laughs> I, I, that reminds me of Terminator 2, when um, he's teaching Arnie to smile. Or the T-800 as it is, because he's not actually Arnold Schwarzenegger as a character. (laughs) (laughs) One thing we need to say about, to return to Seahawk, one thing I like is that he is a pirate who is also kind of, it's never explicitly said, but he's apparently also a pyromaniac. Because he just, I don't think we really see it much, but he apparently just sets fire to every single ship he ever uses. Yeah. (laughs) And and so, like, towards the end of the show, he runs into all of these various, like, ex-crew members that he used to know, and they all want him dead because he set fire to their ships. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, but the other big thing is, yeah, he, he shouts, Adventure! Oh, it's so brilliant. I think one of the reasons I love him so much is that he reminds me of this sketch from the Machinima series Sanity Not Included, where yeah. I'll, I'll put a clip. I remember that. There's a sketch in it where a guy robs a bank, but he keeps describing everything as adventure! Adventure! Oh, Jesus! Adventure! Was that an old lady? Adventure! Who are these people you're killing? 
the money in the bag, or I'll adventure your goddamn face off. Are we robbing a bank? We're adventuring a bank, Timothy. Keep up. I love him. Um, he's so different from kind of the character he was in the original show, where I um, don't think I ever got to him in the original show, but from what I've heard, he was basically Adora's boyfriend who had no idea Adora was She-Ra as well. Yeah. I, I swear he's also voiced by the same guy who voices Bo. Like, I, maybe he wasn't, in which case that's amazing because their voices sounded exactly the same. It was very strange. They probably <laughs> um, and they... use the same voice actor for budget reasons. Oh, sure, sure. But, like, no, it's just funny because, like, he look he looks so similar to Bo anyway, apart from the fact that he has red hair and um, and he has the same voice. I honestly believed it was just Bo. He just put a wig on for a bit. But, no, apparently it is a different character in the original show. <laughs> I'm surprised I haven't brought this up yet, but we haven't talked about Scorpia. She's also really cool. I've got, I've got to say this quickly. I've, I have a bit of a phobia of crustaceans. I don't like crustaceans, like... They are horrible looking. They're basically shelled, like they're, they're shielded spiders. They'll bite you. With Scorpia, she actually became one of my favourite characters. Not the most favourite character, but one of them. She's honestly, like, I feel so bad for what she goes through throughout the show. And she is one of the good characters that are with alongside the bad guys. She's in the wrong place. And that goes back to what I was saying about multifaceted characters. A bad guy will turn out to be good good guy be bad and, and yeah so she was very cool i like that she just wants to be friends with everyone and no one seems to care <laughs> you won't be going alone you'll be joined by force captain scorpia kitty huh just so you know i'm a hugger i feel like she's a little joke on the fact because it this isn't really a spoiler because i think they mentioned this early on but um she's herself a, a princess or like so there's all the, there's all of these princesses in the world and they're all basically magical beings but they all have fairly like positive go get them like friendship attitudes and so i always think the joke with scorpia is that she still has that princess positivity attitude that the other princesses have but she just happens to work for all the horrible villains who are like who are just the complete opposite of that. So oh. she's like, I'm a hugger. And it's just like oh. nobody responds to it. Are you okay? Do you need first aid? Do you need to be nursed tenderly back to health? Scorpia, remember that little talk we had about personal space? Oh, right. Ten foot radius. It's kind of like in traps well. She ends up working with the horde for like a season or two. And she's not doing it because she's evil. Entrapta, she's from the Horde. The people the Rebellion are fighting? The Rebellion you're a part of? Oh! She's just obsessed with technology because obviously kind of like the thing with autistic people is they have like certain interests and they will like obsess over them constantly. The experiment has been more effective than I could ever have dreamed. This proves my hypothesis correct. With the black garnet functioning at 200% power, the precarious equilibrium that governs all of Ethereum's natural functions has been thrown into complete chaos. So yeah. she's working the whole lot because um, she wants to destroy the world. She basically just loves technology. She wants to find out how stuff works. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and the Horde provides her with that because they're basically a technological nation. It, it, another thing as well, it is it, it is basically technology versus magic in the show. And but yeah, the Horde are the technological ones. So obviously Entrapta, who's obsessed with technology, would go towards them. <laughs> Which, you know, makes sense. But yeah, I know it's funny. She basically produces like a huge army of robots for the good guys to fight. And she's just completely oblivious to that. Hi, Bo. What are you doing there? Just hang on, Entrapta. 
We're going to rescue you. Oh, good! Rescue me from what? From the Horde! Oh, well, that's nice of you. Mm, she yeah, gets on um, well with Horde, which is sweet. Yeah, one character that ended up surprising me was Glimmer. Because she starts out the show as, like, she's more like the kind of, like, cutesy, innocent type. And then, like, the fourth season happened. Like, in the third season, like, something big happens to the character that ends up, like, really changing. She, she ends up with more responsibility. I want... I'll be kind of vague here, and that was kind of a cool luck. And also, one reason I she starts learning dark magic, which I thought was a really surprising direction to take the character, and it makes her more powerful. But at the same time, the other characters like, what you're doing is evil and bad because it's dark, you're using dark magic. And it mm. kind of like causes like tensions with the rest of the characters. But I thought that was a yeah. cool direction to take the character. Agreed, yeah. I, I think that's what I like is that her personality starts changing the more involved in this kind of dark magic she does. It's not just it's not just an issue of like, oh, you're using <clears throat> black magic, that's bad because it's black magic. It's more like, yeah, like she starts using the kind of villain's tactics where the Princess Alliance was all, you know, we're the good guys, we do the good guys stuff, when we don't, you know, we don't use underhanded tactics, we fight our battles head-on kind of thing. Yeah. Whereas, you know, the villains are always coming up with evil, nasty schemes to, like, screw people over. Mm. And then Glimmer starts thinking in that kind of way and starts doing underhanded things. And it's like, that's the issue. It's, it's not the magic, it's, it's the fact that she's changing. Oh, it's great. <laughs> yeah, absolutely. Uh, Shadow Weaver likes daisies. She does, yes. <laughs> and I think that's really lovely. <laughs> yeah, she, at one point she has a she has a little rose garden and she's growing all of like these plants for her magic potions and things. And they're like, You've been growing magic plants this whole time? What do these do? Those are daisies. I find them cheerful. <laughs> I just find that's the sort of humour I like about it. It's so subtle, but and the character driven as well. It's just I don't mm. know. I, it really got a massive giggle out of me. Gives you a little insight into how Shadow Weaver's mind works. Funnily enough, you know, like that there, there is this kind of perfectionism, but at mm. the same time, she does like certain things. You know, it's it's great. Oh, there's it's a lot a going on. Whiz- whimsical sort of humour, I think, uh, as opposed mm. to like maybe a dark, absurdist sort of one. Um, which is yeah. Oh. Yeah. or gross out adventure time humor yeah or just rick and morty as well like there's this kind of idea that you need to be as dark and nihilistic and sort of absurdist and weird to a point where it's sort of kind of too far whereas with she-ra i think it's warm as i say whimsical so like some of it's silly and some of it maybe even a bit downright weird but it's not too much it's not excessive it's it's tasteful as i say so um, I hope there's more cartoons like that that are successful in the future. One thing I like with, to go back to Scorpia for a sec, because the whole show is about friendship, you know, and, and I know that's like, oh, it's it's about friendship, friends. But it is, it, it's, it's, that's one of the big themes. Football friends! <laughs> yeah, exactly. But it is. <laughs> and it kind of teaches, if, if kids are watching it, it kind of teaches kids about how friendship isn't really something that you can just you can't you can't exploit it and you can't treat it as a given which is what Catra does with Scorpia throughout their relationship and you know mm. and that's what you found so sad James is that Scorpia just has all of this love to give everyone oh, and so especially Catra and Catra just doesn't care at all and just uses that friendship to her own ends 
and you know at, at some point like without again without spoiling but at some point it comes to a head and it's really sad and it's just kind of like oh but what was Catra expecting yeah a lot of these characters are quite like real people like again you know you can have a friend that would probably take advantage of your friendship that that there are people like that out there i thought okay that is something a, a real person might do but then also you might have a friend that like is as you say you and like have is full to the brim of love and has a lot of that to give to people but gets none back and then you might have also you know with glimmer like and if this is a coming of age story for her do you know what i mean it's about her growing from a young person to someone basically that has needs to shoulder a lot of responsibility i like just how the fact that i i can imagine people being like you know, the dialogue is very well written and the characters are believable, if you know what I mean. Also, there's a cute robot called Emily. Uh... Oh, Emily, I forgot about her. <laughs> <laughs> this is what I mean. Oh, and one of the princesses is like a yoga, like perfumer's basically a yoga instructor <laughs> with her chi and finding positive alignment and things like that. Mm. You know, there's a lot in this show. There's a lot of great little touches and details. Because we've avoided spoilers, there's there's so much more there is <laughs> maybe we'll do like a spoiler blue bet or something like that at some point if you want maybe 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 in the future yeah we should mm. we should just delve into kind of all the season five shenanigans because it's all great i actually would happily watch a show again like i think it's going to be on the i'm going to put it to one side and for a rainy day i'll go back and binge it all again it was definitely a pleasure rewatching it. You know, even yeah. so soon after I'd watched it the first time, it was great. Yeah, I'm, I'm glad I gave it a shot. Like I said at the start, I was kind of apprehensive going in as to whether it'd be something I would enjoy. Mm. Yeah. So, favourite characters? Because I feel like this is a good show for, for that, to ask <laughs> who your favourite characters are. Mm. So, Rob, favourite um, character? At first, it was Catra. Catra did start out as my favourite character... She's not like kind of like, fully even, in spite of her actions, like because she was like so shunned for throughout her childhood. And the only reason stuck by her was Adora. She so she kind of learned to fend for herself above everyone else. I kind of saw where they were kind of going. The character kind of seems like more of kind of like a, a Zuko cross of Azula kind of thing. Yeah. And so yeah, she kind of started out as my favorite. But then we got season four and the Glimmer Dark Magic stuff happened, and I was like, yes, Glimmer. I love Glimmer. Glimmer ended up being my favorite character, which surprised me. Mm. So yeah. Okay. Glimmer, wow. Yeah. Glimmer and Catra are my favorites. Hmm. That's cool. I'm actually really impressed that we haven't actually talked about Adora that much because I think oh, she's yeah. a really fun protagonist. Yeah, <laughs> yeah she's I, not, even, I, I agree. not even my favorite character, but I just I just realized we hadn't actually talked about her that much. Do but wanna, like, do we want to quickly talk about? Her? Yeah, we can do. Adora is like, she's a total goofball idiot who <laughs> <laughs> just happens to have this destiny thrown upon her kind of thing. I didn't know being a princess was contagious. All I did was pick up the sword and then whoosh, I'm in a tiara. But I think the best episodes with her are the ones where the sword gets infected <laughs> and she's just like stumbling around like an idiot. It's amazing. She's um, completely derped, basically. <laughs> completely. <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, so something happens to her brain and she just starts going like, Better? I'm fine. I'm Shira. <laughs> I love the episode where they're going to the ball and they say like, I was just going to go with Shira. She has better hair. Yeah. <laughs> so my, actually that ties in perfectly. My favorite character is my mister because I feel a lot of my energy in her, especially today. So Mamista is the princess of the mer people, the mermaids, 
and also kind of a, a girlfriend to Seahawk although she would never admit it because he's the most embarrassing boyfriend in the universe. It's a beauty, can't you see? She's attending this with me. She's my princess of the sea, Mermister. No, just my ride. <laughs> of course. I am her plus one. And she has that kind of like, ugh, I don't care, like whatever attitude. But at the same time, you can tell that she's like a total nerd. Mm-hmm. <laughs> oh, she <laughs> loves a whole nerd mysteries. Like, one, yeah, one yeah. of my favorite episodes is the one where they're trying to uncover a spy and Mister's using a lot of murder, mystery novels to try and uncover the culprit. Yeah, she keeps saying, Where were you when the murders happened? There still aren't any murders, Mister. Yet! <laughs> But yeah, at one point she does comment on Adora where she's like, well, she comes up with her own character called Sira. Um, and she goes, Then, like, I twirl, and then my hair does this thing where it looks all messy, but it's actually, like, really super beautiful. <laughs> and that's Adora's hair when she turns into Shira. <laughs> so. But yeah, Mamista or Seahawk, but I get the feeling I know who James's James's favourite character is yes. going to be. Or maybe maybe not. Maybe, um, maybe I'm wrong. I'm not too sure either. Ah, well, I mean, there's no Skeletor in the show, and one of my other favourite characters... <laughs> <laughs> one of my other favourite characters is a spoiler, so I can't really say it. Ah, um, uh, okay, but, right. But yeah. no, no, it's fine. I can sort of pick a spoiler-free character, but very reluctantly, because, again, I love so many characters in this show... So let's see if you've guessed this right, Ian. I'm going to pick Scorpio. Okay. Did you guess that right? When I said that it might not be Seahawk, I was thinking of Scorpio, yeah. All right, cool. But yeah, no, Scorpio is genuine. As I said earlier, she is truly, like, the most, like, trusting and loving of all of, like, characters. I feel so bad for her and what she goes through, but her journey is also quite important, I think. She encapsulates the themes of the show, you know? You know, that, like, you know, love will prevail and stuff like that. As cheesy as that sounds. And ultimately, through life, you're going to have hardships and stuff like that. But in the end, you can be like Scorpio and you can become a Disney princess and save the day. (laughs) Exactly. We haven't even talked about Madame Raz. Wow, that's another character I really like. She kind of pops in and out of the show. She's not in it much, but whenever she's in it, she's great because she's like the witch in the woods. Mm. But she's like in between time zones where she gets confused about who she's talking to because she's actually... She was just momentarily ago talking to like someone else a thousand years ago, but she just kind of drifts in and out. Really cool concept, but anyway, that's for another day because again, she's very spoiler heavy as a character. So you've got to be careful. But Absolutely. yeah, I like Madame Raz as well. Okay. Yeah. Uh, yeah. Once again, thank you for listening to this episode. If you enjoyed this episode, you can find us on all our previous episodes on SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and as well as this, you can find all our previous episodes on bluecast.com. And also check us out on YouTube. We've recently started doing occasional blue blip, yeah, which are kind of like little mini episodes exclusive to YouTube. We recently did one talking out our thoughts on the trailer for the, for the Matrix Resurrections, so go and check that out. Ooh. And also follow us on social media. We're at BluecastPod on Facebook, Twitter and Instagram. And our email address is bluecasteroutlook.com. So please send us an email if you've got any feedback for the show or suggestions for future episodes. And we'll read it out like the emails in the episode. You'll get a shout out. And also please leave us a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. If you leave a review, again, we'll read this out on the episode. And also if you're enjoying please share it around and recommend it to family and friends you think might be interested. Um, just before we go, give a little tease to what we're talking about next time. So 
next time is our October episode, so it will be our annual Halloween episode. This time it's more linked to Halloween than last time we did Batman, which is tangentially linked to Halloween. Mm. But we are discussing, this is our first ever Blue Cast sequel to something we discussed on a previous episode. <laughs> We're discussing my favourite game on the PS1, which is Resident Evil <laughs> 2. Yeah. This one has a giant crocodile in it. Oh no. <laughs> yes. Please no. <laughs> Not again. <laughs> yeah. You could see like me messaging like, you in all caps saying, there's crocodiles everywhere. <laughs> now, considering the fact that you have to complete Resident Evil 2 four times to actually like get the full story, let's find out how far James can get into this one. <laughs> Spoilers. It's probably not that far. (laughs) Let's see if we'll get to the first save point, which isn't easy. Oh no. How you like to torture me. (laughs) But yes. It's fine. We'll get to Resident Evil 4 eventually. That's a good Um, one. (laughs) But until then, the broadcast bids you farewell. Bye. Bye. Catch us in the Halloween episode! (laughs) You know, Skeletor, your evil is almost a match for my own. Together we'll make life miserable for those Eternian fools. Why, it'll be just like the old days. (laughs) Yes, yes, just like the old days. (laughs) 